let's talk about books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. This is Anita Kelly, and I have three guests today, three very special guests. We have Aurora Ray, Megan O'Brien, and Megan's wife, Angie Williams. So thanks, guys, for joining me. Um, Thank you. Right. Thank you. Um, it, it's not not usual for me to have a um more than one person on so this is this is fun <laughs> um and and two people from the same household even that's you know yeah. so so tell us you guys um the reason that you're all together here today is because you all participated in submitting um i guess they're like novellas for this uh, compilation of novellas, right? Called Opposites Attract, right? Yeah. Um, so tell us, like, tell us about that book. And, and it was just recently released, right? Like um, maybe a couple days ago? Yeah. On the Well, I think it was released uh, on the BSB site like June 1st, right? And uh, Amazon and everywhere else uh, the, on the 15th. Okay, great. Yeah. So tell us about it. Uh, you go ahead, Aurora. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, first, let me ask you how how did the three of you hook up to write this collection? Well, it's it's Sandy Low matchmaking. Um, <laughs> really, Bullstrokes has um, started doing more of these. They had done a few, I think, kind of historically. The like the girls with guns and things like that. But in the last few years, they've started doing one or two collections a year um, where they pull three authors together um, to write novellas. And, and we sort of just, we write our own story, but there's a single theme. Um, I've done, I've done The Boss of Her, which was like uh, workplace romances and Hot Ice, which was ice queens. Um, there's a second chance one that's out, a Christmas one. Um, and so Sandy, I think, kind of gets an idea in her head for a theme, and then she kind of reaches out to authors who she thinks might be a good fit or might be interested, and the the Opposites Attract um, theme was Butch Femme Parents, and apparently when she thought Butch Femme, the three of us immediately came to mind. I'm happy to say I think we were all her first choice for, for this collection, and so um, she asked, and it's hard to say no to Sandy. Um, so we all said yes. And <laughs> I don't think she leaves room for a no. Yeah. <laughs> Not normally. <laughs> you guys will do this, right? <laughs> so she's small but mighty, huh? Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah definitely. <laughs> so well, that's really cool. So um, I know that, Aurora, you have been involved in other collections, right? Um, you mentioned some of those. And, and those were awesome. Um, I didn't read The Ice Queen, I don't think. But the others I did, and and they were great. Um, and I read all of these. These are fantastic. I loved each and every one of them. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you guys did did a great job here. So thank you. Um, when when you worked on these, did you like work independently and then get back together, or did you just each go your own way and say this is what I'm writing? Did you? tell each other what you were doing how did that all work i think megan kind of like megan usually kind of works in her own little bubble 
um, and she'll kind of, you know, talk to me about things here and there, but she's pretty, uh, uh, it, it's always a surprise <laughs> to me too. Like, like I'm a fan, you know? And so I'm like, oh, what's Megan going to write? Um, but uh, Aurora and I talked a little bit um, because like, for instance, basically I know nothing about clothes or um, girl things basically. And uh, so I, I, there's a part in the epilogue where I think it was a purse I was asking about, like what kind of purse or shoes? No, I think it was shoes. Um, yeah, I have no idea what. Uh, and so I, I had to ask her for some advice on some girl clothes. But um, <laughs> other than that, I, I think we kind of, you know, Aurora and I messaged back and forth a couple of times. How's it? How are you doing? How are you? you know, how's it going? But there wasn't a lot of talk about and, what we were writing. I mean, there was to an extent. There was to an extent just because uh, we're married. <laughs> and oh we're yeah. Both, we're both oh yeah. There's this, that. You know. yeah, that. Oh yeah. Well, oh, that was you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, but that was, I think, you know. I mean, we did a lot of brainstorming together and some. A mutual commiseration about how hard it is to write during a pandemic and um but yeah not a lot of coordination between our stories or anything like that so um angie aurora was like your femme advisor is what I'm exactly saying? yeah, okay. yeah. All right. awesome. my pro pro femme okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think she could put that on her resume <laughs> so so that's really cool so you um you kind of shared maybe what you were writing, but not all the details. And uh, yeah, there wasn't. I wouldn't say coordination. Uh, you know, other like than collaboration. Yeah, or, yeah, like some big collaboration. Other than, hey, you're not writing about this, are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, were there any difficulties? Like anything that like was rough around the edges about collaborating on this? No, not at all. No? Everything I mean, smoothly? No, I mean, for me, it's just always a challenge to write something novella length. That's not necessarily about collaboration, although somewhat, because that kind of um, set our word limit. <laughs> so it sort of guided our lengths. Um, and I tend to be pretty wordy. So, you know, trying to come up with something that's long enough to justify 30,000 words Um and feel like a fully formed romance uh, is always tough. So doing that to a specific theme is even tougher. So I, I found that really challenging for this collection, personally. It worked out. Mine was a little less than the minimum, and Megan's was a little more than the max. So yeah. I thought I was going to steal some of her words. <laughs> even to each other out a little bit. Yeah. Wow. So um, yeah, those words of Megan's, those were mine. <laughs> verbatim <laughs> right yeah <laughs> let's go with that so so megan do you normally like when you write a novel what's your word count normally um well angie's laughing but yeah, let's, well, say, uh, let's say the night off honey oh well, I, well that one was a little bit longer <laughs> there's been some where they've got a little bit out of control i you know usually between 80 and 110 because they don't really want you to go outside that but um but yeah i mean they tend to the drafts tend to end up around the 100,000 word mark usually and then i, I remember when she wrote um sex therapist next door she had to email sandy i think and say oh yeah 
Uh, is it going to be okay if this is yeah. longer? <laughs> yeah. So what yeah. is like the absolute max that I can go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. did you have to edit a lot of stuff out of this then? Um, not really. I mean, for this one, I was, you know, really trying to conceive from the beginning what's going to be an appropriate length. I, I think I'm fairly okay at trying to decide, you know, story-wise what I can do or what I can't do in that number of words. So I just chose something that seemed reachable and didn't really have a problem too much, although I did skirt the, the upper limits of my word count. <laughs> okay. All right. And Aurora, how about you? Was this difficult to stick to you're you're accustomed to writing some novellas yeah right? she's like a pro at these now uh-huh i actually decided like i don't think i'd ever want to solely do novellas because i don't think you get the 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 same depth or level of like emotional arc and character development i you know i was on the fence about putting i love using this story i they always feel a little rushed to me when you're you're doing something short but i actually love like how quickly they come together um you know i I draft, I can draft a novella in a month to six weeks. And it's just like, <sighs> you know, sometimes I make the 70,000 word mark in my current manuscript and I'm really tired. <laughs> so it's, it, it'll be fine. I will love it when it's all said and done, but um, especially sort of in between novel projects, sometimes I feel like a novella you know, it's an expanded short story in some ways, and then it's like a palate cleanser. You can you can sort of write it. The pacing of the story tends to be pretty quick mm -hmm. and rapid fire, and that can just be fun. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and maybe that's why Sandy keeps asking me. I've like I confess that I, I I'm a sucker for the novella. I like them a lot. Yeah, they are fun. You're right. Uh, you can get a lot of action in a short period of time, right? So um, so Aurora, you are. I think you said you're like at 70,000 words, 80,000 words of your Yeah, I'm at 70 of a, a pitched 85. Like 80 to 85 is my kind of standard book. So, home stretch. Okay, so you're nearing the end. All right, all right. So can you tell us a little bit about this work in, in process? Yeah, I, I would love to. Um, I actually just got the cover for it, which was very exciting. Oh, cool. Um, it's, called, it's called Greener Pastures. Um, it is lovingly known in some circles as my secret baby goat romance, Yay! <laughs> which came out of this ridiculous chat thread during um, a virtual event where we talked about doing secret baby romances with like women loving women fiction and how like, that doesn't, it's, it's not a trope you see in the same ways you see it in, in straight romances. Um, and, and so it's, it's a city, a girl, um, she's a CPA who lives in New York City and her aunt has a stroke. And so she goes to help take care of her aunt's hobby farm um, while her aunt um, recovers. And she's obviously in a room um, and the cider maker who lives next door offers um, a helping hand. Uh, and so it's their um, adventures together. And and I'm assuming the cider maker has the baby goat. No, there's um the there is a there's the birth of a goat during the story. <laughs> okay, unexpected goat birth. Oh, all right, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait for that. So um, 
So did you all have to edit a lot out of what you were writing? Um, well, we know Angie didn't, right? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so Aurora, did you have to edit a lot out of, out of this novella? No, I'm one of those people who, like, I, I loathe deleting. So I, I tend to, um, to, to sort of not have to do mass. I usually, maybe I cut like, you know, 5% of just excess words out. I kind of go through and try to clean up. I'm a, I'm a horrible overuser of that just nod, smile, <laughs> my crutch words. Um, but, but I didn't have to do much dramatic to the story, which is, which is always kind of nice. Um, I, I tend to have to do a lot of fine tuning, but by the time I get to full editing, it's the length is usually about what it's going to be. Okay. Do, do you find that, um, and this is a question for the three of you that you have to do more editing or less editing with a novella than you would with a, a full blown novel? I did uh, less with this one. Did you? Mm-hmm. Wait, would you say you edited a lot or you didn't edit a lot? I didn't edit a lot. This one I had I had far less editing than uh, my other two, especially my first one. <laughs> <laughs> so, like there are about three first rewrites. Books always are covered in edits. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, I. I don't know if there's a difference between mine. I like deleting words. <laughs> and I actually, really? I actually, yeah, I, I wrote one version of the ending of my story in opposite to tract and then um, just gutted it, took the middle out and rewrote it. And that ended up being a little shorter, which was nice. Um, but it was also just a little different. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I seem like I, I have a problem with editing. I, part of my problem with my speed is that I self edit the entire time I'm writing, I have a hard time letting go and just, you know, they say, just write your draft. And I have, I just, my perfectionist tendencies won't let me. So I can okay. be, it can get kind of bogged down okay. um, at times. Do you think but, it takes longer for you then to complete your work? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it definitely takes longer to complete my first draft, but I deliver very clean manuscripts. Okay. So I'm, I'm kind of getting a picture here of Megan and Angie and I'm saying, oh, good. Angie, <laughs> Angie please, is please a little bit fly by the seat of your pants, kind of risk taker. Let's just do it. Megan, everything's maybe well thought out, planned, calculated. Would that be accurate? Yeah, I don't like spontaneity or surprises that much. So yeah, I'd at say, all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. and Angie, how about you? Are you more spontaneous? Uh, for sure, in life with writing, I do like to have some structure. Okay. Um, I plot it out. Um, I know Aurora is a total pantser. Like she just, That's you know. True. Okay, well, that, when we were yeah. last last weekend, we did a thing, and you were saying pants are like totally. I was like, oh my god, I can't do that. <laughs> I I have to have some kind of structure, or I have no idea where it's going to go, and it's it's probably going to ramble. I I'm a Texan, and I tend to just ramble on and on and on with stories for a That's really true. long time. And uh, I we'll go to parties, and Megan will pinch me when I start, you know, lightly. 
going uh, to attention getting. yeah like under the <laughs> table just kind of pinch my leg like they really don't care about dna this much you know <laughs> 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 that's great. Uh, so so do you uh, ask your your wait staff their names and, oh tell, God, them, everyone, and tell them your name everywhere we go everybody's her friend i mean she'll come back from you know just getting fast food through a drive through oh the lady at the window her daughter is going to you know this college and is, you know wants to be a dentist it's like what the, how did that even come up <laughs> you know during this like two minute exchange but yeah she's very per it's perfect for me because so i i'm shy and have social anxiety and so i need somebody like angie she's the perfect social buffer for me awesome you guys yeah. make a good couple then yeah nice nice so aurora you're a pantser <laughs> no no Okay, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to. No, actually, I think what I said, like, we, we did this sort of Facebook group um, kind of interview. And I think what I said was that, like, sometimes, like, within a scene, I'll sort of, like, I'll write a scene by the seat of my pants. Like, okay. I will um, sometimes sit down and have no idea what I'm going to, like, write that day and then sort of go from there. But I definitely, I do a rough outline. I do sort of a plot arc before I start writing. Um, and I don't like, I will have some key ideas for ideas for scenes and I'll kind of know the emotional journey. I want the characters to go on and where I want them to end. Um, and I do that primarily because I actually have a really bad habit. I'll say it's a bad habit, um, of writing out of order. Um, and so I'll start writing and I usually, I start at the beginning, but then I sort of get stuck. Um, and my, my sort of like mantra to myself is, well, you don't have to write the next chapter, but you have to write something. And so I'll just jump ahead to a scene I know needs to happen. Um, and so I kind of have to have a little bit of an idea of what's going to happen. And then I have to do a lot of cleanup at the end. Um, I do that too. I do that too. I totally agree with you. But <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if it's, so I never let myself do that. So I, I think it's not a bad habit in the sense that you certainly get more written than I do because when you get stuck, you find something else to write so you can keep moving. That's brilliant. But the reason why I don't let myself do that is probably the consequence that you face is when you get to the end, everything's, you know, you got to go back and deal with your timeline and consistency and all that stuff. Um, I don't let it get yeah. that far. I, like I may skip one or two ahead and then you bridge, then you just have to bridge those together. Or like you could skip a sex scene because they're hard and then you, and they take longer. And so you get to like to the sex scene and then you go to the next chapter and, you know, and then you can kind of come back. After they finish the cigarettes. <laughs> I want to know why sex scenes are hard. And I want to know Megan thinks sex scenes are hard, which, oh man, I, the, <clears throat> Uh, hopefully it's okay for me to say this the anal scene and sex therapist <laughs> next door megan said almost killed her yeah <laughs> i remember when she was writing it it took how long did that take you i mean over a month well over a month just that one scene that and the one whole scene. time she's like uh, honey if i don't survive this just <laughs> know that, that i love you <laughs> did you do a oh. lot of rewrites while you were in that um, no, not really. Um, you know, again, I, I'm so in that self-editing mode that it just was taking a long time. And, 
and I mean, it's not just a sex scene. It's like kind of the emotional. Uh, I don't very know. Very emotional. Scene. Yeah, it's like crisis point of the book, and so it's there's a lot going on, and so a lot of the, the sex is a build up to the emotion. Um, so I mean, it was it wasn't just a sex scene. Uh, you know, I'm sure if it was just like you know, but I probably wouldn't find those as hard. But I try to infuse my sex scenes with a lot of emotion, a lot of other stuff going on in, in that sense. And I'm trying to make it kind of original and I've written so many <laughs> that it can feel like, you know, that, that part of it can feel very difficult. Like I need to really put a lot of thought into this so it does not just say me. So Aurora, I don't think Angie really answered your question, did she? No. no. <laughs> I, uh, so I find, sometimes I find they're hard and sometimes not. Um, and I think, um, I think like wrapping your head around like what Megan was just talking about with the emotional um, part of it. Sometimes you're kind of in that space and you're writing and especially I think, a, you know, a sex scene or a, or an emotional conversation, um, you're writing it and it just, it's like you're in that scene, you're, you're part of that conversation mm -hmm. and it's just flowing. And then sometimes you're, you need to write this and you're not, you're not, you know, as an author in that space emotionally and you're, you have a hard time getting into that space. And, um, and so that, that has happened a, a couple times. And so I will, <clears throat> you know, come back to that. <laughs> let me, let me just put a little pin in that. Um, and then I'll, I'll come back to that. And like, you know, I, I think angst is the same way. Like if you're writing, you know, if people like they're having an argument, um, and, and you're not in that space, then sometimes it's hard to write that argument because it just feels silly. I never thought about that, but I imagine that is tough. If you are like in a really good place, really good space, and you're writing this really sad, awful, you know, yeah. piece, like that would really be hard to turn that around. Um, yeah, especially in something like a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yep, that's tough. But that's the beauty of skipping around. Sometimes is that if you're just yeah. in a foul, foul mood, uh -huh. you can sometimes channel that into yeah. a really angsty scene that needs to get written, and then having accomplished something can can inevitably improve your mood. So. I can't imagine Aurora being in a film. I know. Movie. I was just going to say that. Uh, that probably never happens. You've not seen me after a faculty meeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get that. I understand that. <laughs> so, um, so Sandy Lowe is the one who kind of right came up with this idea and chose you guys. What? Why did she choose you guys? I don't know who got approached first. I think I got approached last or asked last. Yeah, I think that she used me as a, a go-between. <laughs> uh, no, or maybe she emailed all of us, all maybe. three of us. I, well, I don't check my email as much. Yeah, I, gonna, all I know is I probably heard about it last time. I, I replied to Sandy and said, yeah, I would be interested, and I think I could get Megan to be interested. And she was like, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, once I heard that it was that Aurora had already signed or, you know, said yes and that it was going to be Angie, it was kind of, you know, no brainer. Okay. And, but why did she choose you guys? Well, I think that we've all written Butch Femme 
couples yeah. stories in the past and uh and obviously have an affinity for the, those kinds of characters and their dynamic. Okay. So yeah. All right. Yeah. So so does that reflect real life for you guys? The butch femme thing? Yeah. Yeah, um I'm pretty femme. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Megan uh is much more femme than yeah. And I am. Yeah. And Aurora, how about for you? Yeah, for sure. I am I am femme identified and um I'm the butch in like this femme sandwich. <laughs> not a bad place to be. It's not a bad place. I'm not in. <laughs> so um did uh did you guys learn anything about each other during this process? I'd already learned everything, everything there is to know about Angie years ago. <laughs> she, she can't surprise you anymore. <laughs> we have nothing to and talk about anymore. Here, yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, yeah, I, I don't know that. I mean, well, Angie's kind of a new writer and just the process of her becoming a writer and us, um, you know, talking about it and kind of, you know, brainstorming and me reading some stuff, giving some editing advice and just general writing tips and stuff um i feel like this has kind of given us a new appreciation for like i think she finally understands what i've been doing for the past however many years um just with like editing and um you know when you have those deadlines with your editor and how frantic that can feel and yeah i'm working for hours and hours and i barely see you and i'm so sorry but i really have to do this um so that you know and and for me just kind of seeing her i mean it I kind of, you know, over the past few years, have learned that Angie's a really competent writer, and I didn't actually realize that because um, I mean, we we wrote little short stories for each other at the beginning of our relationship, and Aww, I thought those sweet. were, yeah, and, and I love those, um, you know, but they were really short little stories. Like I, I did not realize that I knew she was a, a reader, but I did not know that she could like write an entire novel. And even her first draft of *Mending Fences*, when I read it, I think. Maybe partway to chapter two, I was like, Angie, this is an actual novel. Like you wrote an actual novel. Um, so just you know, that that aspect of things, um, getting to know each other's creative sides, um, definitely was progressed with this book. And just for our listeners, I want you to know that Angie's face was just beaming when Megan. <laughs> I think she likes me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. How about you? I, uh, and I, as far as Aurora, I, I'm like a huge fan of Aurora's. So I don't know if I necessarily learned anything new other than I just think she's awesome. So I second that. Oh, you're very sweet, Angie. I'm becoming a very good fan of yours in return. Uh huh. I've learned that you're right out of order. <laughs> did you just learn that today no i mean I, I i learned that so i think during the facebook thing last week or maybe even before we've been on a couple of different things together so i'm sure i've learned this about you in the past year though let's say and and i admire you for it even if you think it's a bad habit <laughs> Pros and cons. Yeah. i i really think that's hard to do so that's a talent it I is think. It yeah is, totally definitely um, so did you learn anything about yourselves during this process? Uh, I learned that I could actually 
deliver a novella during a fairly short deadline during a pandemic when I didn't know I necessarily could. So I was good. Okay. <laughs> it was a, it was a, just a tough one. Um, but I mean, I learned I could still finish something. It's been a few years uh, since uh, Sex Therapist Next Door was published. And I've uh, been on a little bit of a writing uh decline or retreat I don't know what the right word would be it's gonna you know I'm in a lull um okay. but so it was good to to learn that I can pull it out um on demand when needed <laughs> that's great great I you? uh I feel like every and not just stuff that's being published but you know every time I'm writing something I I feel like especially published stuff because I work with an editor and I work with a different editor this time than I normally do so i learned new things from her than you know i have from my previous editors and um and that's awesome it's like you know every time i write something and then i learn something more and and then the next thing i try to write is a little easier because i'm not you're repeating the same mistakes from my previous attempts um and and it, it just it feels like it flows easier yeah uh, every time that's cool and that's so, really great that's uh yeah, it's it's, it means you're honing your craft right yeah how about how about you aurora yeah i i really like what well i i i love what megan said but i i feel what angie said um in and that i think that's the beauty of, of writing um especially with a publisher like full strokes that put so much in its editors and I, I never do a project where I don't learn something and I um we worked with Shelly Brash on this because it was a new my first time working with her as an editor and I I learned a lot um you know it was I, I'm a sucker for overly elaborate sentence structure sometimes and she's like what why are you using eight words when you could use three it's like, oh, oh, right. Like you sometimes you just need, not that there's anything wrong with the long sentences, but sometimes it's, it's unnecessarily complicated. You're like, cause um, I have a word count to get to. I love playing with language. It's almost like Play-Doh, right? It's like verbal Play-Doh. You can like do fun things with it. And uh -huh. then, but sometimes like, it, it's too much. It's too much. My um, sentences used to be more verbose before I went through Shelley's boot camp as well, because she's been my editor since I started at Bold Strokes. So it sounds very familiar. <laughs> oh, that was on um, But I think there's always, I think one of the other things I love about writing is that I, I do sort of have these moments of self, of learning about myself. And I'm, I'm sort of, I can't think of anything off the top of my head um, from this novella. It was, you know, I wrote, it's funny how it is. Like, I feel like you wrote them a year ago, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Sort of like timing of the publishing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I think there's, I have a very good therapist, but I think writing is, is like a, a sort of co-therapist to my therapist, right? You, you sort of put characters in situations and you make them <laughs> learn and grow. And sorry, my dogs are like... I love your um, dog, so <laughs> I'm just going to smile while it happens. <laughs> My house guest, um, uh, who is blind, she's a blind dog, and um, oh. bumped into Mabel, and Mabel was not having it. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
Um, back to my very deep thoughts on sort of therapy. But when you when you sort of make characters suffer and you make them learn and grow, um, like you, you get to sort of like walk away with that knowledge yourself. And I think we all write characters that have at least little bits of us in them. And mm-hmm. I like to think I, I learn from them. That was a very unnecessarily long answer. I'm sorry. Also. Not at all. One. I think that's um, great. It's almost like writing is very cathartic for you. Um, and it, it's kind of akin to journaling, right? Only you're using other characters to play out things. Yeah. yeah and you can let them play out things you would never, maybe you would never do in real life, yeah. which also. Well, yeah, you can, ha- they can have conversations with other characters that maybe, you know, you have had in your mind, like, you know, not that you may not have had this conversation with somebody, but. Uh, just something in the back of your mind like I wonder like for me with this one with this novel the character isn't like a typical butch and I'm probably a pretty typical butch I like build things and I like cars and I like you know football (laughs) (laughs) I like kind of typical stereotypical things and this my main character the butch is um is not stereotypical and so she has a lot of insecurities about that and, um, and doubt uh, about, you know, is she just kind of an imposter um, because of that. And so it was interesting because, you know, I can't help, but sometimes I I will, you know, I have caught myself being a little uh, judgmental. If somebody, if I see somebody, you know, uh, like let's say an ad for a, a butch, clothing something and and this butch will be just like it seems so feminine to me mm-hmm. you know but identifies as butch and I, I mean my first thought is well she's not a butch you know why is she saying that she's a butch she's not a butch um but then you know i catch myself and i'm like who am i to judge if that person is a you know how that person identifies how that person feels about themselves like it's it's not my place to judge and, and these stupid rules about who is what and, you know, what makes somebody this or that are, are stupid. So, yeah, it's uh, it was it was interesting to put myself in this character who was having those insecurities and uh, and and having her kind of go through this journey, um, learning to accept herself. It's it's funny how we want to kind of label and pigeonhole people Mm -hmm. um and there's like this whole spectrum out there of you know butch femme and and everything in between and yeah uh, it's just been my experience that some people think that i'm i'm really butch and i'm like yeah no i'm i don't think i'm really butch i consider myself more of just a sporty dyke you know um (laughs) And yeah, that's my ex-wife and, and her wife. Um, they both kind of outwardly present as very butch, but they like get manicures and facial. They love to pamper themselves. They love to yeah. pamper them. They love to go shopping. Like they do all of these things that. Stereotypically, are, yeah. Yeah, that I'm just like, you guys aren't butches. And they carry bags like, you know, they're like, they're they're not purses, but they carry bags basically purses it just goes over 
small, you know, backpack looking, but, um, and so I teased them about that, but, you know, I thought about that when I was writing this, I was like, but they identify themselves as butch and well, they're not them. <laughs> they're not femme, no. for sure. Yeah, they're for sure not femme. Um, and, uh, and so it's like, you know, I really have to check myself, you know, mm-hmm. which is funny though, because they call, uh, Megan and I, the girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when they're talking about it, like, oh, we're going to go to the girl's house or whatever. And I just think that's hilarious. Cause I'm like the least girliest of all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and imagine, right, like you are a butch woman, like who is kind of figuring these things out about other people. Imagine like how I'll, I'll say straight people like um yeah. trying to figure this stuff out like, yeah. Oh yeah, people definitely want boxes they oh, want, yeah. you know, to be, to be able to have a box and and uh, it's just not Yep. You can't I think whatever somebody says, if somebody says they feel butch, then right on, you know, or if they say <laughs> they feel thin, then rock on, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think the the beauty of it is, you know, you sort of whatever I, identity or box that feels good to you, or if no box feels good to you, you sort of get to self-determine that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... It's funny because I think a lot, a number of the reviews of this collection so far have commented on the sort of like, you know, oh, they were great. I don't know why we have to use the labels though. Mm. And I think there are a lot of people who really bristle against the labels or what they consider the stereotypes. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's okay. Like you don't have to be in, a, in that box if you don't want to be, but like some of us really like that identity and that label and it's the first time you sort of feel like there's a word that accurately describes us and 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 who we're attracted to and that you know it's not for everyone but for for a lot of people the sort of like actually having a a label and an identity is a can be a really empowering thing Mm -hmm. and for it to be okay like for it to be okay for you know me to say i'm a butch and for you to say that you're femme and and people to accept that and you know somebody else may not feel like they fit into those boxes and that's fine they they you know identify in some other way but um there's nothing wrong with people wanting to I- identify as you know a certain label mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's that's the whole thing is people want a box to put someone in you know they want everything. it's easy i think just humans yeah. is here we want that we want to be able to kind of organize people yeah well and i think we also want to find communities of people like us and sometimes labels are a way to do that yeah mm-hmm. yeah you're right absolutely i know i tell megan all the time i i need some like butch friends <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what do you do with butch friends uh, well, things like we could, uh, well, I really like photography not that that's a butch thing, but, um, to, you know, go take pictures and to be able to build things like I'm, I'm building, um, I bought my grandparents, 1970, 11 foot travel trailer, and I'm rebuilding that and have cool. somebody come over and 
like build that with me. I and think Aurora is your girl because I'm gonna say I don't know if you need a butch because Aurora is so far stole my girl, hard. man, and she's in New York. <laughs> we have talked about this many times. Yeah, and she she likes to cook. I I have like a little foodie club where my friends come over and um and we cook together. Well, you know the thing is like when you're talking about butch femme roles, right? Aurora doesn't fit. Like your typical femme role, even though, right? She identifies as that. You know, she's out there building shit mm-hmm. all the time. Um, it's. I think that's called a kick-ass femme. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's they're building things looking beautiful. That's uh-huh. right. I know. I know. It's amazing. It's. I mean, I think that for me, that's actually one of the best. And the most freeing and empowering things about kind of discovering them as an identity, because I was raised in the South with pretty prescribed, you know, kind of gender roles. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I liked being a tomboy. I liked playing outside. I liked fixing things and building things and like being strong. Um, and as someone who was also sort of like always a, like a bigger, you know, I was a, I was a chubby kid. Like I was always like the tallest in my class and like, and chubby. And so it was really hard to feel like I could claim feminine as a trait or as an identity when I kind of had all that, I don't want to say stacked against me, but I had all that going on. And I think one of the the magical things for me about the butch femme identity was that you, you can sort of be femme and you can be, seen and appreciated as being inherently feminine and still ride the tractor and like do the things. Um, I'm going off on that like psychology tangent again, but, and I think like there's that, you know, I'm, I'm sort of the handy fam or the tomboy fam, but there's like the foodie butch and the like nerdy sensitive butch. Like I, you know, I don't think they're all mutually exclusive. It's that sort of like, how do I, I think, I think for me, butch and femme is sort of this like sort of marriage of like gender identity and sexual orientation in a way that a lot of times things are kind of separate. I think it kind of pulls the two together in a really nice way that, that doesn't necessarily have to be like what you like to wear or what you like to do in your free time. Uh, and I, w- I will um, want to you know add on to that, that with the, uh, butch thing I'm sorry I'm trying to like piece this together in my head <laughs> um, you know when you say like what would I do with a butch friend I, I think it's not even about what I would do it's kind of like um, uh, like you know Aurora was saying a butch there's all kinds of different butch people there's all kinds of different femme people mm-hmm. you know everybody kind of does whatever but uh, it's more about having because there is so let's say, you know, a butch person who is friends with a femme person and that and a butch person is attracted to femme people. Mm-hmm. There's always that kind of, you know, femme woman. There's always kind of that in in that relationship. And even if it's just a friendship, there's this, there's kind of this like little flirty aspect about it mm-hmm. that wouldn't be there. Like I I'm just not really attracted to butch women mm-hmm. um i find them attractive you know i think oh that that's a very attractive butch woman but kind of like a guy like i think oh he's a he's a good looking guy but i don't 
want to like kiss him or anything. And I, I think that is more what I'm saying about having, you know, butch um, friends is just somebody who's just like buddies. Kind of, I want a buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what just came to mind for me? I was uh, when you were talking, and it was just uh, Radcliffe's book. It was one of the Provincetown things where uh, Bree and Allie, like Allie, sleeps over, or Bree sleeps over at Allie's, and yeah. and then um, Allie kind of tries to make the moves on her, and she tries to explain. Yeah, to, I know exactly what scene you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, and that's totally yeah, 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 yeah. It's like yeah, there's just there's just like uh, there's this kind of sexual tension. Yeah, when you're you are kind of attracted to somebody um, that is just there, mm-hmm. and not that you can't hang out with them be friends with them and be best friends with them and you know whatever it's just different when it's somebody that you're not that you don't have any kind of sexual attraction to yeah that element makes it probably more free and easy to be yourself and just hang out yeah do whatever totally like you don't care if you have bedhead or you know like (laughs) oh man do they think i'm cool like you're just not worried about any of that yeah you want a bro but without the baggage of like a cishet guy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I tell Megan all the time. I'm like, God, I just want a bro, man. I just want somebody <laughs> I, I can just be a bro with. That's awesome. We'll have to find you a bro. So if there are any you know, local, if anybody's in Northern California and <laughs> you want to bro about with me, then <laughs> I think you just invented a, a new word, bro about. A whole new concept. Let's go to a Giants game and have some garlic fries and beer. <laughs> so, um, you guys were talking about um, your editor and and working with Shelley, and this made you really kind of grow. You learned some things, and do you think that normally um, you write to your editor? Like, do you have your editor in the back of your mind when you're writing? thinking, oh, she's going to say this, or she's not going to like this. I better change this. Um, I <laughs> was talking about the overused words. Um, there'll be things like when I realize I'm using too many words, I'm like, oh, man, Shelly's going to ding me for that later. Or, um, you know, if I just kind of get the sense that I'm, oh, if I pause because for whatever reason, lay and lie, is the bane of my existence, even though I read, I mean, I'm telling you, I know the rules. I can tell you exactly what it says, but still in the moment, the application of it is just a problem for me. And so anytime I'm doing that, I'm like having that moment to decide like, oh God, which way does it go again? <laughs> and I always guess wrong somehow. And I always one. think to myself, yeah, Shelly's gonna, and Shelly's put these like big explanations for me you know, from grammar website. I, it's like, I know, I'm so sorry. I know. <laughs> I know, but I don't. Well, and then part of my problem is I'm like, okay, I'm always wrong. So whatever I think it is, I should do the opposite. And then I think I just like screw myself up because I maybe really know it, but I'm doing the opposite of what I think is right. So at any rate, um, yeah, I think it'd be like that. <laughs> when we found out we were going to have Shelly, Megan said to me, oh, and I've heard her, Megan, say this before. Shelly hates cliches. 
you know, just so you know. And I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah, she's a Texan. (laughs) (laughs) I own (laughs) 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 I'm in so much trouble. I mean, my first book when when Megan read it, she's like, You can't say that they're in a pickle this much. Like (laughs) narrow it down. It was like three different characters on four different occasions used the phrase in a pickle. I'm like, honey, I know you use it all the time, but you can't. One one of your characters can use it like once. <laughs> it's a good phrase. It's great. It is the best phrase. It's so it spits out like a sore pickle. <laughs> and and she told me nobody says that. Nobody says that. And now we'll it's hear people place. say that. It's all over the place. It's on the cover of CNN at. about people being in a pickle because of uh, something about the pandemic and uh, I don't know. But yeah, it was I. I I screen capped it for her, sent it to her, CNN, something's in a pickle. That's very cool. You're right. <laughs> That's the phrase. I don't hear that often, though, really. I mean, yeah. I know it. All the time. <laughs> we, we, don't, we, don't, we obviously don't hang out enough anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what was that phrase? Bro, bro along? Bro uh, about. about. Yeah. Bro about. Walk about. Okay. All right. Oh, I, I guess I'm not a good bro about. <laughs> um, how about you, Aurora? You know, it's funny. I don't think of myself as writing to my editor, but I think if you work with one editor with any kind of regularity or consistency, you you can't help but sort of hear their voice, especially if, if I think good editors put in, they sort of do side commentary so that it's, you know, engaging and it feels human mm-hmm. and not, like mean. Uh, my, my sort of most often editor is um, Ashley Bartlett, who is a writer, um, a phenomenal writer in her own right. Um, but she's like in her early thirties, I think we, we, she started editing for me before she turned 30 and she's this like Southern California punk, like skateboarder, skateboarder, like infinitely cooler than like I've ever been at any moment in my life. And and so now, no, it's okay. Like I've embraced like the coolness of being uncool. Like it's all, it's all good. Um, but it's just really funny because she, one, I think it's really good that like, you know, she sort of really pokes and prods me to be um, like thoughtful and with, with things like, you know, um, diversity and being sensitive and sort of not like trying to write diverse characters without, succumbing to tokenism like she really pushes me on things like that in ways that I love and value and appreciate but then she also is very quick to remind me that I am old and not cool oh, like nice. <laughs> especially if I'm trying to write kids or young people she's like yeah like 1983 called like oh <laughs> I, I hung, we've hung out with Ashley and and yeah, this is not just me. during editing this is kind of just you know and it's so funny because, like, I don't think of myself as old. I mean, I, I like, honestly, I... And you will. I relate to my 16-year-old son really, really well. And, you know, I know the things he's talking about usually. We play a lot of the same video games. Like, And then, yeah, Ashley will say something. It's like, oh, man, I guess I'm geriatric. I didn't realize. <laughs> but at the same time, I my characters are older than that. So... so- <laughs> Doesn't Ashley work with young people though? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so so that makes people. a difference, right? I, I yeah. think that totally, you know, it keeps you young for real. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. And then it's definitely both. Like 
because I also like, I, I sort of like being taken to task sometimes and, and sort of be like, if I'm writing a character who's in their early thirties, I, I tend to write like mid thirties characters most often, but like if I'm writing a character who is in their early thirties, that's a good decade younger than me. And like, I can't make the like eighties, early nineties. They're not going to, those aren't their references, right? Yeah. Like, I can't say that they love New Kids on the Block, even though I love New Kids on the right? Like, no, they were the like in sync Backstreet Boys, like generate like and so to sort of just be mindful of how you can date yourself with your cultural references and not even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I'm watching an old show, mm. right? Um, I'll be like, Well, why don't they just call them on their cell phone? Yeah, oh yeah they didn't have cell phones right so and, yeah yeah it's uh i i was just gonna i'm sorry i was gonna say that i um i highly recommend um my best friend right now is um 29 uh-huh. and so i highly recommend doing that because he's constantly telling me the things that i'm old about like i'll make references and he'll let me know if he doesn't know what the hell i'm talking about um and, but also he is not what you would maybe imagine of a 29 year old. He's pretty responsible, he's pretty mature. And so that is good too. A good reminder that even though there are stereotypes about young people, like any other label, um, you, you know, they're all different. Some of them have a lot of slang and are really cool. And some of them aren't really like that. So it's, uh, but yeah, get, a, get young friends. I definitely think that Aurora makes a good point that, you know, you want to make sure that you don't sound like you're a you know, middle-aged person writing at 20-something. That's going to make for a very strange 20-something in your story. That's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. So um, I want to ask you guys, did you hide any little secret in your novella um, that maybe only one or some people would be able to pick out? Or if not in this novella, has have you ever done that? <clears throat> I don't know that this is a secret, but um, the character of Major in my novella, the dog, the pit bull, white mm-hmm. pit bull, is um, Angie and my co-parent's uh, dog, who is a white pit bull named Major, who oh. does not have a flatulence problem like the dog in the story, actually. <laughs> so I'm sure he'd be horrified if he realized I wrote him like that. Um <laughs> A really, really sweet dog. So I, I tend to put my pets, family pets, um, animals throughout my stories. So that it was his turn. That's so he cool. got the story. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great. Thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't think in uh, I really have anything in this one. Oh, I know in this one. Um, one of my very favorite restaurants is a Puerto Rican restaurant here called El Coqui. Um, and that is the restaurant they go to on their second date and the restaurant here doesn't have the whole dancing thing like in my story but um but it is it does have really good picadillo so (laughs) (laughs) that part was true (laughs) okay and how about aurora yeah i because i tend to set books in like you know set geographic regions like even in not series books i sort of easter egg um sometimes people and places and things mm-hmm. um i don't think that happened um in this novella although the the bar that that they go to um after the sort of dinner 
um, is called Hot Tin, and it's on the roof of the Pontchartrain Hotel, um, which I had the pleasure of going to with Allie Valley last time I was in New Orleans. I was um, there for a family visit and a conference, and um, I was able to meet up with her and her wife for dinner. Um, and they took me to Hot Tin for a cocktail, and it's a it's a gorgeous um, place with a view of the city because um, it's kind of out in the Garden District. Um, and so cool. uh, it was fun to work that. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you guys were talking before about um, uh, kind of working through things through your characters, um, Ali Valley popped into my head, and I was thinking, what the hell is she working through with that whole King <laughs> series? <laughs> uh, right? <So. laughs> I won't even go there. <laughs> so, so what is. She laughs about that, though. Like, yeah. she definitely gets the joke on that one. <laughs> like, she yeah. Yep, for sure. I think she wants to keep everybody a little on their toes. <laughs> that she does. <laughs> um, and and what is next for each of you? What are y'all doing? Uh, I think well, Aurora is doing that one she was talking about with the goats, which greener pastures. Well, I think goats, right? And when's greener uh, pastures coming out? You- uh, it will be out next April. Um, and I'm about to start edits on. Two books, actually, Jamie Clevenger and I kind of teamed up um, and we were going to write, we were hoping to write a book together, but because we published with different publishers to make it work logistically, we ended up doing two. Um, uh, And they're called A Convenient Arrangement and Love Accidentally, um, both set in Denver in a parallel timeline and shared world. So like literally they, they sort of unfold over the same few months, which was fight the adventure um, to make it work logistically. Um, But those are both out in November. um, So we'll be working on the edits of those. That's so cool you did that. Yeah, that is. That's great. Uh, That must have been difficult to do. I mean, there were some challenges, but writing together, I think we were, were both fairly laid back. We weren't, you know, neither of us were like super stubborn about things, which helped. It was really nice for momentum. To, to sort of write a chapter and then send the story off. And then you, mm. you got to read a chapter and almost like respond to it. And so it, it made the writing really easy. And I will, I will say proudly, um, because we did it that way, those books were both written completely in order. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It was a first for me. <laughs> All right. I, um, I'm working on a book that is due December 1st. I, I think it's out in the spring um and it's called um love and other rare birds and it's about a ornithologist who um and i'm still piecing this together so uh it's about but it's basically about an ornithologist who uh comes from kind of a very conservative family so she's not really super out but she goes to alaska looking um looking for a bird that is thought to be extinct and is matched up uh, with a a park ranger guide uh, who they have to spend um, like, you know, six weeks, a month or six weeks or something in kind of the secluded area in uh, Alaska together looking for this bird. And, um, and she kind of, you know, 
it has to deal with the fact that she has let her father's political career kind of keep her in a box you know wow wow keep her from growing as a person that sounds great great so did did you have to learn about birds or do you know about birds i'm still learning about birds that's one of the things that's um uh that you know i'm still researching about and like i the bird the main bird that they're looking for um i decided to go with a bird that doesn't actually exist i started going with the bird that does exist and then i found myself like kind of going down into this hole with oh god like how you know um because this bird is is thought to be extinct and it's and it they haven't seen it for years and years and i don't know um so yeah so a bird that is similar to that bird um <laughs> not exactly so that somebody's not gonna go well their migration pattern wasn't exactly <laughs> there you know like this is my bird my bird goes wherever the hell i want it to go <laughs> That's one way around it. Very, very <laughs> smart on your part. Yes. <laughs> and Megan, how about you? What are you up to? Um, I don't have uh, any writing projects in the works right now. I have ideas. Um, I have aspirations. Um, right now, I'm actually working on learning how to make a video game. And, um, cool. and I'm making a video game. Um, I'm actually hoping to eventually possibly try to make a narrative video game that does have a lesbian theme. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I, I'm thinking I need to do a short story or something that's maybe not novel length um, to kickstart me a bit. So hopefully a new short story soon. Okay. I'm thinking take that Ashley Bartlett. <laughs> <laughs> I keep telling Meg she should just write some fanfic and yeah. Just to kind of get that, get those wheels greased. Yeah. Yes. Good idea. Yeah, definitely. All yeah. right, guys. Well, um, I think we're just about out of time. And uh, I want to thank you all for joining us today. Um, it was really great talking to three of you. And um, for our listeners out there, um, I highly recommend you pick up a copy of Opposites Attract that is published by Bold Strokes Books. Um, and it's uh, available on the Bold Strokes website or Amazon or wherever you buy your wonderful LGBT books. Um, so thank you to Aurora Ray, Angie Williams, and Megan O'Brien for being with us today. Um, it was it was really fun. Great talking to you guys. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah, yeah. All right. Had a good time. Yep. Thanks. And uh, in therapy, it was a little bit therapeutic too. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. Well, just tell us where we should send the $100. I can't help myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's all the time we have for today. And I'm Anita Kelly. And thanks for joining Liz Talk About Books, baby. And until next time, may your journey be lighthearted and peace be plenty.